I'd like to take a moment to let you all know about a new nonprofit organization started by my brother Craig. It's called Treats and Truth. They fill oversized brown lunch bags with snack items, chips, crackers, popcorn, cookies, etc. Also, a bottle of water, toothbrush, toothpaste, sanitary wipes, and most importantly, a small gospel tract book of John. No cigar? I'll have to talk to him about that. The bags are then hand-delivered to the homeless and people in need in and around the Los Angeles area. Let's help get this ministry off the ground. They're a 501c3 tax-exempt organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible and greatly appreciated. Visit their website at treatsandtruth.org. Check out the show notes for the link. Also, please follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Welcome to episode 90 of the Burning Bush Podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope you're doing well, and I'm glad you've joined me today. This week, we continue reading through Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity, The Unalterable Facts of Jesus' Death and Resurrection, and I'm smoking the La Palina El Diario Rosado Toro 6x50. And this cigar isn't listed on the La Polina website for some reason. I don't know if it's been discontinued or what, but let's go ahead on over to Cigars International and see what they have to say. A true prize from La Polina. La Polina's rich history began in the late 1800s. Their patriarch, Samuel Paley, immigrated to Chicago from the Ukraine and immediately found work as a lector in a cigar factory. By 1896, Sam had started his own factory with a cigar store nearby. Sam dubbed his factory Congress Cigar Company and quickly gained the name Mr. Sam, a moniker given to him by his factory workers. After Sam's retirement in 1926, the La Polina brand was all but forgotten, but now Sam's grandson has reinvented the brand in a big way. This addition to the La Polina line is a Honduran-made gem hailing from the revered Reces Cubanas factory, dubbed La Polina El Diario. Rolled right alongside numerous other 90-rated cigars such as Alec Bradley Prensado and Tempest, you can rest easy knowing every El Diario has, to, has been crafted with meticulous attention to detail and the highest quality tobaccos. This medium-bodied gem boasts a Honduran Rosado wrapper leaf around well-aged Nicaraguan Corojo and Criollo long fillers. Spicy notes of mocha, nut, and leather all rear their heads in this super complex offering. Securing a spot in my regular rotation, this cigar is not to be overlooked. And, uh, the La Polina El Diario received a well-deserved 93 rating, noting a powerful, meaty cigar with an open draw 
that delivers a lot of bold smoke for such a small size. Concentrated pepper, cedar, and earth lead to an apple-like finish. And the profile is full. It's full strength. Um, wrapper is Honduran. Um, binder is Honduran as well. And fillers Nicaraguan. And the Vitolas are Robusto, 5x52. Toro, 6x50. Churchill, 7x50. Gordo, 6x58. The KB which is a petite Corona, is a 4.2 by 40. And the KB2 Lancero Panatella, 6 by 40. That is the La Palina El Diario. So let's go ahead and get back into this week's reading of Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity. The uh, title of this week's section is Skeptical Men and Women. The reason Paul's conversion is so powerful and resonates with so many is that he started out as an enemy of Jesus. When we survey conversions to Christianity over the past 2,000 years, we find many Pauls, many enemies and skeptics becoming followers of Jesus. For example, A.N. Wilson, a journalist and intellectual atheist, converted to Christianity in the 2000s. The resurrection of Jesus was a key element in his conversion. He wrote, The resurrection, which proclaims that matter and spirit are mysteriously conjoined, is the ultimate key to who we are. It confronts us with an extraordinary haunting story. J.S. Bach believed the story and set it to music. Most of the greatest writers and thinkers of the past 1,500 years have believed it. But an even stronger argument is the way that Christian faith transforms individual lives. In his lecture on fairy stories, Tolkien noted, There is no tale ever told that men would rather find was true, and none which so many skeptical men have accepted as true on its own merits. Many skeptical men and women have been convinced that Jesus rose from the dead and is Lord of the world, and the cumulative influence of these individual stories has shaped the world. It is beyond the scope of this book, or any book, to survey all the people throughout the past 2,000 years who have been transformed by the risen Jesus. But if I had the time, I would begin with Justin Martyr. Dialogue, dialogue with Trifo 8, and Augustine of Hippo, Confessions 8.12.29, of the first millennium, and finish with C.S. Lewis and biologist Frank Collins at the end of the second millennium, walking through century after century, reading the profound testimonies of famous intellectuals who had an experience with the risen Christ. I could even survey some of the thousands of converted Muslims throughout Africa and the Middle East who have in the 21st century claimed to have had dreams or visions of the risen Jesus. Some I have met myself and questioned. I wish I could survey all the art, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper, Rembrandt's Prodigal Son, literature, 
Dante's The Divine Comedy, John Milton's Paradise Lost, John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's, Pilgrim's Progress, and Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov. Philosophy, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Francis Bacon, Blaise Pascal, Frederick Copleston, Music, Handel's Messiah, Bach's St. Matthew Passion, Johnny Cash, and even films, The Lord of the Rings, Mel, Gibson, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, The Chronicles of Narnia, that were inspired by Jesus' resurrection and have brought such goodness, truth, and beauty into our dark world. I wish I could further survey all the testimonies just in our own day of people claiming the power of the risen Jesus freeing them from sexual addictions, alcohol and drug abuse, occult activity, and depression and suicidal thoughts. For another example of an enemy, Sadhu Sundar Singh, 1889-1929, grew up Hindu and even physically attacked Christians. Later, he had a plan to kill himself, but then he had a vision of Jesus, and it transformed his life. He became one of the most inspiring missionaries of church history. It is enough to point out that billions today still believe they are experiencing that first century crucified Nazarene in a number of ways. If Mithraism had taken over the Roman Empire in the fourth century, could it have done the same? Could Mithraism have inspired such art, philosophy, and literature? What about the philosophy of Apollonius of Tiana? What about Barcokbianism? You will have to be the judge. Let me close this chapter with the testimonies from three more skeptical men who had experiences of Jesus in the latter part of the 20th century. Hugh Montefiore, Anthony Bloom, and Martin Luther King Jr. What makes their testimonies especially interesting is that they were highly educated modern men who believed they had an encounter with the risen Jesus. They did not claim it was a resurrection appearance on the order of 1 Corinthians 15, 5-8, but they were absolutely convinced that the same Jesus who appeared to Peter, the Twelve, James, and Paul appeared and or spoke to them. They were also, like the earliest followers of Jesus, completely transformed after these experiences. Hugh Montefiore was Jewish, and while in college, had a radical conversion to Christianity after he had a vision of Jesus. He spent the rest of his life as an Anglican bishop and lecturer of theology at Cambridge. He died in 2005 after having written over 20 books, mainly about Jesus and Christianity. He recounted his meeting with the risen Christ in his book, The Paranormal, A Bishop Investigates. I was sitting in my study when a figure in white approached and said, Follow me. I had no knowledge of Christianity whatsoever. It was certainly not caused by stress. I was in good health, a happy schoolboy with good friends, leading an enthusiastic life, and keen on sport as well as work. I do not recall any need to suppress erotic fantasies. 
I am equally sure that it had nothing to do with my memories, for I had no memories about Jesus. Again, I am sure it was not wish fulfillment, for I was, and still am, proud to be Jewish. I am at a loss to know how it could be psychogenic, although I accept that my brain was the channel through which the experience came about. My sensory input at the time was not at a low ebb. I think it unlikely that the collective unconscious, if it manifested itself in a hallucination, would have taken what for me would have been an alien form. I cannot believe that I was in contact with a ghost, for the figure I saw was alive and life-giving. I cannot account for my vision of Jesus by any of the psychological or neuropsychological explanations on offer. Anthony Bloom, also known as Metropolitan Anthony of Soros, was a famous monk and bishop of the Russian Orthodox Church. Before his service to the church, he studied at the University of Paris and was part of the French resistance against the Nazis during World War II. He died in 2003 after over 40 years of serving the Lord as an Orthodox bishop. Bloom believes the risen Christ appeared to him as a teenager. He recounts his experience with the risen Christ this way. I do not know how to tell you of what happened. I will put it quite simply, and those of you who have gone through a similar experience will know what came to pass. While I was reading the beginning of St. Mark's Gospel, before I reached the third chapter, I became aware of a presence. I saw nothing. I heard nothing. It was no hallucination. It was a simple certainty that the Lord was standing there and that I was in the presence of Him whose life I had begun to read with such revulsion and such ill will. This was my basic and essential meeting with the Lord. From then, I knew that Christ did exist. I knew that He was Thou. In other words, that He was the risen Christ. I met with the core of the Christian message, that message which St. Paul formulated so sharply and clearly when he said, If Christ is not risen, we are the most miserable of all men. Christ was the risen Christ for me, because if the one who had, nearly, who had died nearly 2,000 years before was there alive, he was the risen Christ. I think for most, at least in America, Martin Luther King Jr. needs no introduction. King was a Baptist minister who was the heroic leader of the civil rights movement in America, and he was assassinated in 1968. He did not claim to see the risen Christ the way Montefiore and Bloom did, but King believed he heard the voice of the risen Jesus at a most crucial time in his life. He tells the story in his autobiography. Late one night in January, in the early days of his work on civil rights, he received a phone call from someone who threatened his life and the life of his family. He could not sleep afterwards. He went into the kitchen and about midnight began to pray. 
Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now. I'm faltering. I'm losing my courage. Now, I am afraid. And I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to get weak. The people are looking for, to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I have come to the point where I can't face it alone. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you, even until the end of the world. I'll tell you, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roar. I've felt sin breakers dashing trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. He promised never to leave me alone. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced him before. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. Incredibly, Martin Luther King Jr. believed he heard the voice of Jesus, the crucified Nazarene, and was then ready to face anything. I doubt anyone would say King was lying about this experience, but did he imagine it, or did he really hear the voice of Jesus of Nazareth? You will have to be the judge. What is undeniably true is that after this experience, he went on to, be, to become one of the greatest and most influential figures of the 20th century. Examples could be multiplied to infinity of people who believe the risen Jesus is still transforming their lives today. Despite having the odds stacked against it, the movement of the Nazarenes survived. Rabbi Gamaliel's, or at least the author of Acts, prophecy was proven true. Further, this movement has continued to overwhelmingly influence empires, nations, all of Western civilization, and billions of individuals right up to this present day. Moreover, Pew Research studies say it will continue. People all over the world, from different cultures and backgrounds, skeptics and even enemies, say they have experienced the risen Jesus and were utterly transformed from that moment forward. This is the final bedrock fact of this book, and it is irrefutable. Now we have to ask one more question in light of all the bedrock facts we have discussed. It is arguably the most important question of human history. Did this crucified man Jesus rise from the dead? And that's the end of this week's reading of Dr. Justin Bass's book, The Bedrock of Christianity. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to Dr. Bass's website, as well as this week's cigar. Also in the show notes are links to Treats and Truth Ministry, where you can get involved in helping to spread the gospel to and be a blessing to the homeless. 
Groundworks Ministries for daily Bible studies and devotionals, and the Burning Bush Merchandise Store where you can pick up some items to help spread the word about the show. And I'd appreciate it if you would tell your friends. So until next week, have a great day, have a great cigar, and God bless. Thank you.